Charlotte, North Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. And while you standing on your feet, please turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 4. going to start at verse 1. When you have it, say, I got it. All right. So after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat on the throne, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass likened to crystal, and in, in, in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before, before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf and the third beast had a face of a, as a man and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four bees had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord, all, all, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those bees give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Come on and give God some praise for his word. Amen. You can be seated. Amen, amen, amen. We're just going to be, our new series is The Honor Factor. The Honor Factor. We're going to talk about honor. Honor. Okay? Honor makes the difference. And what we're going to be talking about is honoring God this morning. Simply honoring God. Amen? 
So as we talk about this word honor and really what it consists of and how do we live this out, uh, we really have to look at how we act. What are our actions? How do we value something? Okay? So when we come to this book of Revelation uh, that the Apostle John wrote, we understand that he was in exile. It's kind of debated how old he was. Some people say he was in his 90s, and some people say maybe he was just in his 60s. I'm not really worried about how old he was. I'm just glad that he got the revelation. Amen? But he was in exile because he kept on preaching the gospel. And he kept on preaching the gospel even when they told him not to. And then they tried to kill him by boiling him in oil. And they put him in this cauldron and tried to boil him in oil, and he wasn't hurt. So what do you do with a man that you can't kill? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He had such a surrendered life that his life was being covered by God. So they just put him somewhere where he couldn't preach to nobody to try to shut him up. Because they know if he, if he meets somebody, he's going to talk. In this day and time, it doesn't take much to shut us up. All it takes is a few rejections. All it takes is, I don't feel like it. All it takes is, well, I don't want to offend nobody. All it takes is I'm trying to be politically correct. All it takes is, well, I'm just trying to figure out a way. But we don't want to really just talk to people about the gospel. Right? But he got exiled. Pretty much he was in persecution. Amen? And it was because of the way that he lived his life, a life filled really with honor. Because if we're talking about this same Apostle John, this is the one that stayed. When everybody else left, he stayed. The only one that stayed. Not saying that God was not gracious to the ones that left because they was a fulfillment of scripture, but he still, he had an understanding about what honor really was. That Jesus even said, take, this is your mother now. Take her. Go take care of my mom. Because he understood that the love that John had and the honor that he had for Jesus Christ that he was already willing to put his life on the line to associate himself with him. And in this modern-day Christianity, when we really talk about honor, if we really talk about honoring God, honoring God is not just in the moment of when I worship or when I begin to cry or when I begin to, you know, get, get down on my face. That is, that is just something else. That's part of it. But that is not the completion of it. It is how we live. How we live our lives is how we honor him. Amen? It's how we live. Now this word honor, even in the Hebrew, is the same word that is used for glory. Kavod or kabod. It means something that is valued by weight. It's heavy. Right? So when you see glory, you're really seeing honor at the same time. So the question really begs this morning is how much weight does God have in your life? How much weight? Meaning how much value? Because when we're talking about weight, we're talking about how they value things on scales. This is why he said a false balance was an abomination to him because this is when somebody, a false balance is meaning like when you work 40 hours, but they paid you for 20. 
it's the same thing. Yeah, that's an abomination to you too, ain't it? <laughs> it's something that you can hate too. But God is in the workplace. He understands the injustice sometimes that happens even in the workplace that, okay, you can't pay somebody, have them do work, and then have, pay them less than what they have really done. He hates it. Not just, not just Dix likes it. He hates it. But at the same token, when we're talking about honoring God, how much, how, what does he stand on the scales of your life? And we can say a lot of things, including me. I love him. He got all of me. But there's certain things that I look at in my life, and sometimes he don't have all of me. Right? So how much weight do I really give to him? I'm not talking about how much weight, how, how weighty he really is. How much value do I ascribe to him? How, 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 what, how valuable is he to me? It is something that is valued by weight or what was, what was heavy that had great worth. Amen? Honor also is something that is called to open up the inside door. And when we're talking about relationship from person to person, it's talking about the inside, that, that inside life, that heart. But even when we're talking about God, it opens up things with God when you can really, when he sees a life that is honoring him, it opens up stuff with him. Amen? So without honor, well, let's, let's do this. Honor is the biblical door to great friendship, love, community, and blessing. Meaning if you, have, if you don't have a lot of friends in your life or you, you're just one of the people that you, you just seem like you, you don't really like people like that. It could just be you don't really like to honor people. But most of the time those people want all the honor. They want to receive a lot of honor but don't want to give a lot of honor. So, you know, we, and that's the person that says, well, they don't ever say hey to me. What's wrong with you saying hey to them? Honor them for who they are. Why? 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 It's not. It's not to look to be honored first. You should. We should be looking to honor other people first. Amen. It's the door to be able to bring community together, to be able to grow love, to have great friendship, to have great love, great community, great blessings. Amen. But without honor, love is just what? Entertainment-based. Meaning it's how I feel. If I don't feel like honoring you, then I won't. If I don't feel like loving you, then I won't. I'm only going to react on how I feel. Only when you make me feel good is when I'm able to love you. Only when you agree with me is when I'm able to love you. And a lot of us, we're like that with God. God, it's only when you make me feel good. It's only when you're blessing me that I can honor you. It's only when my life is okay that I can honor you. It's only when my life is good that I can honor you. My love sometimes for God is entertainment-based. God, make me dance. Make me sing. Make me happy. Because if you don't make me happy, I, I have no reason to honor you. How, how so? 
Are you worth any less just because your actions change? Meaning if you interact with a person and you make a mistake, does a mistake cause you to be worth less? Or if y'all have a disagreement, does a disagreement cause us to be, now you're looking at this person as they're less than? They're worth less? So if, if, we, if I'm not on the same page with God, or if God does not move when I want him to move, then it's hard for me to honor him. Why? Because I'm causing him, his value to come down. Your value only goes up, God, when you're doing something for me. When my life is the way that I want it to be. Then I'm all in God. I'm happy about God. Come on, we all been there. And still struggle with not being there. Right? See, when you've been in the church for a little while, we want to say we're so devoted. But a lot of times we're not. We're not as devoted as we say we are. our, our, Our lifestyle before God is out of convenience. It is what we want to do, how we want to do it, and what fits into our schedule, and how comfortable we are with doing it. It doesn't matter if he commanded something. It doesn't matter if this is what he's saying, I'm convicting you to do this. Well, God, you're going to have to do this first. Why does he have to do something else first? Why is he not worth our obedience? Why is he not worth our submission, our honor? All right? So we have to look at this. How am I honoring God? How do I honor him? I'm not talking about what you just do in church. I'm not even talking about what you do behind closed doors as far as that time of worship. Because he's so good, he'll still come spend time with you because he loves us like that. Knowing good and well, we'll get right out of that moment and still won't do what he said. That's how good he is. That's how loving he is. But there are times when he begins to pull back and say, no, you can't continue to have access to me if you're not going to really honor me. So, you know, at the beginning of this book, John is in this conversation talking about the seven churches, which some people say are the seven phases of the church. Some people think that we're in this, this, this dispensation of the Laodicean church where people are, you know, we are rich, but yet we're poor. You know, we, we, we think we see, but we're blind. And, you know, there could be some argument about that. You know, you could, there could be some, you know, some, some statuation about that, really. It could be proven, right? Especially when we talk about a church sometimes in the American culture that we're quite comfortable, right? Quite comfortable. We don't really like to come outside of our, you know, if it's not going to really, you know, benefit me. I don't really want to do it. If I don't see no real benefit in the, in the, you know, if I don't see the benefit, then I'm not going to do it, right? It's almost like sometimes church has been business-sized. It's more, it's more ran like a business than a kingdom. It's what is practical, pragmatic. It's these things that make sense. 
but this don't make sense. But if the wisdom of God does not make sense to the wisdom of man, meaning if the wisdom of God is foolishness to man, then how is it always going to make sense to us? Meaning you're going to have to do some things that don't make sense. You're going to have to walk through some things that don't make sense to you. You're going to have to respond in some ways that don't make sense. You can't approach life the same way. A a, a lifestyle that honors God, you're not going to approach life the same way that other people approach life. You're not going to approach money the same way that other people approach money. You're not going to approach relationships the same way that other people approach relationships. So he talks about, and Jesus begins to talk to John about the works of these different churches. That it even could be looked at as that God does look at your works. Grace does not alleviate reward and punishment. If we go through the first three chapters of Revelation, we see, he said, look, if you overcome, then yeah, you got something. But look, this is something I have against you. Not saying I don't love you, but I have this against you. Right? Meaning, sometimes we don't like to talk about, okay, there's some things that God may have against us. That he don't like. Grace just means I'm not going to kill you for it. You're not going to get the full brunt of what the punishment or the judgment is supposed to be for this sin. That's what grace means. But grace doesn't mean that I'm just overlooking it all the way and that you don't have to answer for actions. Because if that was the case, then he wouldn't say, I know what's going on in the church. I know who this person is. I know you, you're suffering this woman Jezebel. He wouldn't come with this level of truth to these different churches. But with that, we see the balance of God. Because he would also tell them, look, you didn't give up. Though you got little strength, you kept on going. If you could just endure to the end, if you could just overcome, then this is what I'll give you. Amen? So after this, we see here in chapter 4 from a man that life has honored God, truly honored God, from the time he met Jesus all the way up until now to the point that they wanted to kill him and they couldn't. So after this, I looked and behold, a door was open. Because of his honor, it opened up a door. His honor opened up an opportunity opportunity to come into a different place with God. A different perception, a different understanding. And not just a different understanding, but a different viewpoint. Because this was not just a vision. He told him, look, come on. I want to show you some stuff. But the door was open. Now what if I told you this morning that there's a door open for some of us? Will you take the opportunity? Many of you know because God has been kind of weighing on your heart that he's calling you closer. But you just kind of been, mm, I don't know. Oh, that's going to take too much. 
that's going to take more than what I'm willing to give right now. But it's an opportunity. It's an open door. We cry out for more God. Then when he said, look, here I am. The time is now. It's not a convenient time. He's not going to fix stuff before he says, no, come on, this door is open now. You got to come now. Will you listen to the call? Will you look and see the open door? Sometimes we don't, we're not even looking towards God sometimes. We're not looking in his direction. Or we're only looking in his direction for what he has in his hand and not for him. I need you to do something, God. If you do this, then we can continue in this relationship. But if you don't do this, God, I'm about to. What is the thing that comes before God, truly? What is the thing that you say, God, you need to fix this? Or this is the thing, God, my life got to be a certain way for me to serve you. Where's that in scripture? He calls us to what? Come and give up our lives. This is the life that honors him. The life that honors him is I give up my life. He was able to save, his life was able to be saved. Why? Because he didn't try to save it. He lived out the teachings of Jesus. Most of us, we're trying to save our life. I can't give that to somebody because they might not give it back. I ain't about to be spending time with folks and they be wasting my time. Is it a waste of time if you're serving him? Even if they don't respond the way you want them to respond, is it a waste? Is it a waste? I mean, does God forget just because they didn't respond? Just because they might didn't listen, does God forget the, the time that you put in to be able to say, God, I'm being obedient to what you called me to do. I'm honoring you with my life. Why do we have to have certain results for it to be God? Oh, I know I'm up in here today. Because we have stipulations of why we supposed to honor him. How? We supposed to honor him. He not, he's not, really not worth that much. Oh, he's really not worth that much to some of us. He's not. We got a good talk game, including me. But when he got to talk to me for two or three weeks, he got to talk to me for four or five years to do stuff, he ain't worth that much. He's not worth that much. Because what I'm holding on to, I'm not willing to let that go to obey. He's not worth that much. I got an ultimatum of why, how I'm going to submit to him. He's not worth that much. But that's a door. But the, this door is to maturity. This door is to grow up. This door is to stop whining. This door is to stop complaining. This door is to repent. That's what this door is. This door is to come subject for real. Let the fear go. You scared you're going to lose your life? Lose it so you can save it. 
put it all on the table so he can redeem it. That's who he is. He's a redeemer. But what is he going to redeem when it's not there? I'm not my own redeemer. I didn't pay for me. So the door was open what? In heaven. And you hear all this talk now talking about open heavens, open heavens. And the first voice which he heard as it was like a trumpet. It was like an announcement. An announcement. Talking with him. Some would say, you know, this is Jesus, but in other places in Revelation, when Jesus talked, he talked about his, his voice being like the, the voice of many waters, so he didn't, he didn't sound like a trumpet. We would say this is probably an angel. An angel talking with him, which said, come up hither. Come on, look at his name and say, come up. Come on, look at man again. Say simply, you, it's time for you to come up. It's simply time to come up. What excuse is worth it? Come up. Come up. The thing that you want the most is in him. But the devil keep on telling you if you go to him, he's not going to let you have it. But he wants you to have, he wants you to want him more than you want that. But most of us, we don't want the, It's a continual checking with this life. Continually. I have to keep on checking. Amen? He said, well, I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. If we would just answer the call, God said, I'll make some things more clear to you. But if you don't answer the call, I have no obligation to talk to you or try to make things more clear to you because you're not even going, we're not even going in the same direction. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I was just about to step on the gas, too. <laughs> Try to get you on up here now. <laughs> all right. Amen. I obey. <laughs> Amen. I obey. I'll take my time then. Right, let's go. The next scripture. Said immediately I was in the spirit. The door was open, he never walked through. He just answered the call. Meaning you don't have to do anything, just answer. If you just answer the call, just answer, just say yes. From your heart, say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes, I will do it, God. Say yes from your spirit, God. I will do that thing that I don't want to do. I will do it. That thing that I'm running from, I'm going to do it. He didn't have to make no, 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 you know, no walk, no distance or anything like that. He just, he just answered the call. All he did was just kept his eyes. Boom, right there. I see the door and God just said, come up. He got there through the word, through responding to the word. So this is why some of us, when you sit in the church, you, you be thinking like, why this person keep on jumping up and why this person so loud and why this person doing, but they responding to the word, they getting something. 
while you're sitting trying to be intellectually uh, stimulated, they're getting something because they're responding to the word. Or trying not to shut down. <laughs> Saying immediately, where, where was he? he? I was in the spirit. Now, this is saying that, you know, he was in the spirit talking about, really, he didn't know where he was. Meaning, he don't know if he was in his body, outside of his body. He, all he knows, I'm in the spirit. Just like that. See, there's some things that could change in your life just like that. If you would just answer the call to come up. For some of us, it is a, it is a come up of mature. I, you got to mature. It's just, you just got to, you got to be able to just, okay, I'm getting past this place where I've been so long. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get past this. I'm going to come up. I'm going to answer your call, whatever it takes, God. And this is what the apostles and what the disciples of Christ were used to. When he called them to follow him, they had to forsake all. Some of us, we did that in the beginning, and now we don't picked up so much. The things that we picked up are more important than him. For real. I mean, when I begin to study this, God said, look at your career drive. Look at it. How much do you honor your career above me? How much do you honor your goals, your financial goals above me? Oh, because I got some financial goals. Amen. I know I'm not the only one because I've been, I know I've been promised to, to do a certain thing, but I can't lose him in the process. So you got to continue to look at, okay, God, am I really honoring you with my life? How much weight did you have right now? Not how much weight you had last year. Not much weight do you have when I was last time I was in trouble. How much weight do you got right now in my life? How much are you worth? How much is God worth to you? He was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. A throne was set in heaven. He began to see God in his authority. And this is how you know one of the first things that happens when you truly get in the spirit is there's an adjustment to how you see God. There's an adjustment to how you see him, who he is to you, the truth of who he is, the authority of who he is. Because when people really come in contact with God, this is why people come in contact with church, but they don't come in contact with God. Because when you come in contact with God, that it changes. It's a violent thing that happens because his atmosphere, his reality is so much different than ours. And it's not violent in a bad way. What I'm saying is it just runs over everything that we thought sometimes. It runs over all our perceptions and what we thought was possible and what we thought, what we thought were limitations. When you really begin to enter into or begin to get a glimpse of who God is, what you thought were limitations are not limitations anymore. Because for the person who created time, what is time? Meaning if I got a goal that's more important than him, he could do your goal in a matter of a day. 
And I'm not talking about no, no, no super churchy stuff and stuff. Like, you know, people, oh, you can do it. Yeah, that is true. It is true because I'm saying the same thing. But what I'm saying, it is reality. It don't take much for God to do it once he, once he wants to do it. Or once it's the time to do it. But he has a schedule for all of our lives. And there's certain things sometimes that we are holding off because we want what's at the end of the schedule or what's down the road of the schedule. He's like, well, I'm trying to get this done first. Once I get this done, then you can get here. It don't matter how fair you think it is. It don't matter if it even makes sense. Because for some of us, most of us in the room, it's money. It's money. It's money. Money. Money got your heart. Money is what you honor more than him. It's money. You fall out about money. You get angry at folks about money. We lust out the money. Oh, see, I know we don't want to tell the truth, but it's the truth. I mean, you get mad. This is how you know you lust out the money. You get mad at other folks who got it. When you get upset with them because they got it and they doing stuff that you can't do. Money has a control over you. Trying to amass it has a control over you. God is more powerful than money. God is worth more than any check you could get. Worth more than any job you can have. Any career. Any deal. For me, you know what I'm saying? I love real estate. There's a whole lot of money running through real estate. I like real estate a lot. (laughs) I'm being serious. But when you see the greed that is there and it's trying to suck you in, you need something to keep you. Because it can seduce my heart very easily. That's why I keep on talking about it. I'm trying to stay free. I'm going to go back. He said, and a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. One sat on the throne. There's only one. I can't honor God and honor everybody else's religion too. I can't honor God and honor everybody else's religion. There's only one truth. There's only one him. Meaning Buddha is not cool with me. I don't believe in Confucianism. I'm not running people down trying to, you know, attack them with God, right? But at the same time, I'm not going to agree with you. And if we have to fall out, then hey, we just got to fall out. I'm going to honor him. I can't honor my relationship or the peace that I'm supposed to have with somebody else just because they believe something different. By backing off of what I believe. There's only one. I know it's an offensive message in this pluralism type culture. It's offensive that there's only one. It's offensive that there's only one way. It's constraining. People don't like it. They hate it. It's got to be more than one way. But there's only one way. There's only one. There's only one truth. That's it. 
one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, when we talk about what he saw, and this is when we're talking about honoring God, and I don't know about you if, you, if you've ever been in a place of trying to find the words to describe him. Like you're trying to, our vocabulary is so limited to be able to really ascribe the worth that he really has. You know what I'm saying? And when he begins to try to start to uh, look at who God is, he sees colors. And the only thing he can really do is, the only thing he can really do is look at the colors and try to make it close to something that is from the earth. Because this is something that he knew first. First as far as natural, not first in the spirit. Amen. So this jasper is like a, a it, would, it would be like the modern diamond. It's not the jasper. When you go look up jasper, it's not the jasper that you see on Google. Because when we go and look at Revelation 21 and 11, uh, it's talking about the wall that was built. And it's talking about it being clear in a sense. So it's almost like the modern day diamond. Right? This sardine stone is like, uh, it's a varying colors of red, like a fleshly color. And what I'm, when I'm studying this, what came to mind is, this is what the inside of us, this is where this comes from, because we know we was made in his image. Right? Now, the other thing about these two stones is, God always gives a witness in the earth about who he is. On the breastplate of the priest in the earthly temple, back in the Old Testament, the jasper was the last stone, and the sardis was the first stone. So he's showing, even when you look at him, I'm the first and the last. Meaning, and we talked about this before, if he's the first and the last, what is it that he does not have control of? Truly, if I'm truly, and if we talk about not just the faith of the strength of my belief, but what I believe. If I believe him to be who he is, then I have to truly believe that there is no limit to him. That he is the limit. Time is not the limit. My attitude is not the limit. He is the limit. He sets the limits. Right? So he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We call him Alpha and Omega, right? And with him being Alpha and Omega, this is, when you begin to look at him and you see him for who he is in your perception, meaning when you understand the things that are being said or being taught about God and you hold on to them, and this is one of the ways you can understand whether you really value him. Do you hold on to the word? How much does the Bible really get used outside of church? I know for some of us we read, but for some of us we don't. Because it's not something that we treasure or we don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, will you break your pride and ask for some help? 
Get into it and ask for some help, for some assistance. Amen? But to value him for who he is, you have to value him for the truth of who he is. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega. And then we see round about him, there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto emerald. You see how he's writing this. Some people, he's not saying, he's trying to find the words. It looks like this. <laughs> you ever try to describe something to somebody and you're like, well, I'm trying to find, it kind of looked like this. That's what he's doing. Because what I, what I saw, there's no real words for what I saw. What, what, what's opened up to me, I don't have real words for what's opened up to me. Have you ever felt like that in worship? I think this is why most of the time we just cry. Because there's no words. There's not enough words to be able to describe him. There's not enough words to be able to, 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 to really capture who he is in his fullness. We just try with the intent of our heart, he answers us. Because he's so good, because he's so loving, because he's, I see what I have created. I see my child is crying out to me, is calling on me. This is why some of us say, well, some of the old church mothers who couldn't even speak good English have more power than saints today. But we are so intellectual when it comes to him now. I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew, and I'm not saying it's not, it's, it, I like it. I do. I love it. But there comes a part and a time to where that stuff is still not enough. It's still not enough. Yes, I'm seeking him. Yes, but I need to know him. And to know him is not just to know of him. It's not just to read a book. To honor him is to want him. Look at your name and say, do you want God? And I know sometimes we, and I want to kind of despiritualize that. Meaning, do you want the person of who he is? Not do I want God so I can be great in the, you know, in the Lord and all this other stuff. No, I'm about relationship. He knows you and you know him. I'm talking about when, 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 when you are struggling. But you know he's there. Though he may not say much. And though sometimes it even seems like he's not doing much. That he allows us to go through things and through him. This is what Paul said. He said, well, that I may know him. What well, in the fellowship of his suffering. Suffering is how I get to know him. It's unfortunate. I hate it. I can't stand it. But suffering is what brings us out of this fleshly understanding because suffering brings you to the end of what you think you know. 
And that's what's so frustrating because suffering takes away your control. It takes away everything. It strips us to where all we have is him. And he likes that. Yes, we do serve a God that blesses, heals, delivers, but we also serve a God that, that suffered for us and that we're going to suffer as we follow him. Amen? He's trying to put this into words. He saw this rainbow. What does this rainbow signify? This rainbow signifies the covenant that he made with Noah way back in Genesis. Meaning there's nothing that God has forgotten that he said or that he promised. So that ought to make somebody happy. There's nothing that he has forgotten that he said he's going to do. Nothing. Even when you thought he forgot. Even when everything in your life looked like he forgot. You ever been there? Everything just... He said this and everything goes this way. Everything. What is he trying to do? To get you to stand on the word alone. Without no proof. To have faith. And we get frustrated at that type of faith. But that's biblical faith. Because if you see it, it ain't faith. I work towards it like I have it, but if I see it, it's just not faith. I mean, it's manifestation. I got it. Right? But even in him, this rainbow, which signifies his covenant, to almost in a sense, not saying that God can forget, but to remind heaven, to remind himself, to, to show a sign of what his promises are. We see him keeping his word. All the way up to this day, the earth has never been destroyed because of a flood. And then it was in the sight likened to an emerald. And green meaning like almost like a, a, a signifying life, prosperity. That he redid something. He recreated something. He started back over with this covenant. Right? And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, there's so many different theories from theologians about who these 24 people are. I'm going to hold to this is just me, okay? You can go and study on your own, okay? I'm going to hold to, and what I do believe is that these were the 12 from the tribe of Israel and the 12 apostles. Now, when praying about this word, God began to say, look, what did I tell him? I told him I was going to show him what was going to come hereafter. If this was the 12 from Israel and the 12 apostles the apostle is looking at this he saw himself 
if it was them and there was 12 there, he had to see himself. He had to see himself sitting in this seat. <laughs> in heaven. In the future. And this is what God does to us sometimes. He shows us what is going to come hereafter. He begins to show, he said, come on, let me give you a glimpse of where, where you really going to be. <laughs> let me give you a glimpse of what your life really supposed to be like. Let me give you a glimpse of what I really called you to do. Let me give you a glimpse of where, how this is really going to end. Just think about it. He was still human. He just got, tried to be assassinated. Going through all this stuff for Jesus. Yes, he was faithful. Yes, he was honorable. Yes, he was all this. But God knows we're still human. I got to give him some hope. <laughs> some of you got to go back and you got to begin to go back and see what God said about you. Go back and see the things that you used to hold on to. Go back to believing what you believed about yourself before. Don't let it go just because of your present situation. The end of it, this is not the end. If you would just come up, I'll show you the end. <laughs> if you would just come up, get on past this place, I'll show you the end. I know you're struggling with hope. I know you're struggling to be able to hold on to what God said. I know you're struggling. If you would just come up, I know you're hurting. He knows this thing. He saw himself. He saw himself. He saw himself. Just think about this. How many times have you seen yourself doing certain things? You seen how your life's supposed to be in God. You seen what God really called you to do and how he called you to live. You see the promises being fulfilled. He's not a liar. That's what he was trying to prove to John. Even after all this time that you've been serving me, I'm going to still show you I'm not no liar. <laughs> oh, I'm still going to show you that I'm going to keep my word towards you. I'm going to show you the end. I'm going to show you the reward. I'm going to show you this. I'm a reward of them that diligently seek me. Come on, come on. And this is what he's trying to do. Get your diligence up. You got to keep on seeking him even when it don't feel like it. It don't feel good. And it's all messed up. And you're hurting on the inside. When it seems like everything has died and everything that God says, it looks like it's a lie. You got to keep on seeking because he's a rewarder. Yes, he is. He's a rewarder. But you got to do the work. He's a rewarder. Don't, don't pull back. It's not time to take a break. It's not lunchtime. He's a rewarder. God is not going to outgive what you have gone through. Meaning how much you have given out to get through what you've gone through. I get, I'm, I'm telling you a truth. 
got so many things that sometimes I've been through. And I said, God, it seemed like in the moment it was going to last forever. Forever. I'd never get past this place. But God started turning things around. Because I didn't stop. And mainly because he's faithful. Because there's many times I, I took a break. And there's many times I wanted to stop. And there's many times I said, God, I'm angry with you about this. God, I'm going through so much behind this thing that you have said. I'm holding on to it and it's not working out. How do you expect for me to keep on going? How do you expect for me to keep on encouraging my wife, encouraging my children? Just hold on. See, there's some things he'll do here. I, I got a blessing, but I messed it up. Got a house for $200. A whole house for $200. And some people looked at me like I was crazy. Like, how did you do that? God did that. But you wasn't there with me and my family when we was had holes in the walls. And, and, and mice coming through the holes in the messed up house and the, the roots clogging up the plumbing where we can't even go to the bathroom. When I'm running electricity from one room to, to elect, you know, light up the whole house. Because that's the last plug that work in the house. Living in poverty, doing my best. Trying my best and it wasn't enough. Everything I tried didn't work. Got so tired of struggling. But it was a praise which some of us in here done lost. <laughs> you done lost the praise that used to get you through. You still got a praise, but you ain't got that praise that used to get you through. Oh! You got to come back to that place that used to get you through. I ain't talking about that cute stuff. I'm talking about a real praise where you want him. Where you're saying, God, I'm still going to say you're worthy. Even though I'm mad, even though I'm upset, I'm still going to say you're worthy. Even though I can't stand the situation that I'm going through, I'm going to prove to myself, I'm going to prove to the earth and to everything around me that none of this defines your worth. You're still worth it to me. Uh, he's still worth a worthy praise. Hallelujah. Even when I don't like my life, he's still worth a worthy praise. here right here come on come on come on just honor him for a minute come on hallelujah hallelujah you are worth it God you're worth it you're worth it you're worth it you're worth it for me to keep on going God you're worth it you're worth it God for me to submit God you're worth it God for me to answer to your call God you are worth it God I'm scared I don't like it I'm angry I'm 
confused. But God, there's nothing else in my life that compares to you. Nothing else in my life compares to who you are. So we honor you, we honor you, we honor you, we honor you, we honor you. We honor you for being God. We honor you for being the first and the last. We honor you for being the, the one that has the last word in this situation. In my life. Hallelujah. They sat upon the seats. He had to show them the end. He said, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. He showed them that how they were going to be rewarded. He showed them how this is going to end. You got to hold on to the end. Got to hold on. We got to hold on to the end. Oh, come on. As a church, we got to hold on to the end. Hallelujah. Said so out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And some people think that, okay, this is, this is the same scene that we've seen on Mount Sinai when he came down because he wanted to be with his people. But they were so afraid of him. And for some of us, we're so afraid to go forward more, to get closer. We say, let somebody else do that. We do just like they did Moses. Moses, you go talk to God. And you come back and talk to me. Because we don't want to be close to him the way you are. Let somebody else do the work. Let somebody else go and pray. Let somebody else go and worship. Because all that's going on around him, it seems like it's kind of dangerous. Thunderings and lightning is loud. Look like you might get hurt. Right? And there's voices. Some speculate that maybe this is all the praises that are going on, but we see praise going on later on in the scriptures. I don't think it's the praise. I think it's the many voices, the many languages of God communicating to his people. There's not a language he does not speak. So it's all these different voices where he's thundering and lightning and I'm talking I'm talking have you been hearing God talking to you through your dreams through different things that God has been putting in your heart he's talking he's talking he has something to say Come closer so you can hear clearly. Slow down some days so you can hear more clearly. Write it down so you can remember clearly. 
Hallelujah. So with all this power, this majesty, he sees now there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. The completeness of God's spirit, the seven operations of his spirit. The torches, the spirit of God that brings illumination, revelation. Hallelujah. You want me to keep on going, man of God? Okay. Saying, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. No, we're probably going to end here because the man of God got most of the revelation for this, but I'll try to articulate it. It said, before the throne, there was a sea of glass. This sea of glass could be signified as the spirit of God or even the word of God. This sea that you can see into and see a reflection of yourself. And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes. And these four beasts, let's go to the next scripture. The first beast was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf or ox. The third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And it's wonderful how God honors even his son, even when you see different things, even when we go back to the covenant of the rainbow that was round about the throne, the words that God spoke. He's honoring the word above his very name. He honors his son. And as he honors his son and all about what's around him, we see even in this, the first beast was like the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The second beast was like a calf or the ox, the one that bears the burden of our sins. The third beast was the face of a man, the son of man who came to the earth to save mankind. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle, the one that has the sight, the one that flies above everything else and that has given us the victory. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord all God, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They begin to honor him to worship with their mouths. And a lot of times this is what we begin to do. But I, I want to go to what the elders did. Give me the next scripture. It said, when those beasts give glory and honor, when they begin to take the weight of who they are and give it to God, This is what honor is. Honor is when you take all your beautifulness, when you take all the wonderfulness of who you are, that God has created you to be, and you say, God, it's all yours. Not just through your voice, but through your living. God, it's all yours. I mean, you get to do what you want to do with it. This is all yours. This came from you. This is not mine. I honor you. 
Your weight is how you affect other people's lives. And sometimes because we affect other people's lives or we, we see our effect in the world, we get caught up on that. And the honor or the weight or the glory that God has given to us as man causes pride to come to us. And we forget that it was God. This is, what, this is where we say, well, God, if they don't listen to me then, you forgot that this was God's glory. This is God's honor. They don't listen to him neither. And sometimes I don't neither. So what's the difference? He still gave us glory and honor even when we didn't listen. And he didn't say, well, I'll take it back. When they begin to give glory and honor, they gave all of who they were created to be and gave it back to him. Give him the glory. Honor him with your life. They gave it to who? Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. Give me the next scripture. Sitting the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. So even those that have lived and now die casting their crowns before him. Casting their crowns before him, giving that glory, giving the glory that even God put on top of their glory, giving it back to God. Giving them, giving God honor, come up out of their seats and begin to honor him. This is why sometimes you got you to stand up in church. This is why sometimes you got to get up out of your seat because your seat sometimes signifies your place or your position. Your place of authority, the place where God is giving you. And sometimes you got to come up out of the seat and give that back to God. Because that seat don't have nothing to do as far as in the comparison to his glory is not even in compare. It cannot compare. He's the one that gave it. These 24 elders, some would think that these are the presbytery of heaven, meaning they were going to help God judge the earth. No, the Bible says we're going to judge angels. See, if we really go into the whole power of what the church really is, your bill ain't really that important. And if the church was really the church, then your bill really should be important to all of us. We don't want to go there. Yeah, we said we don't want to go there. We don't want to have to give to that extent to where there were, there were no needs. All the needs were met. Because in the original church, all the needs were met. Because that was the level of the community that they had. So we'll go there. I ain't talking about going around here begging nobody for money when you leave, neither. Amen. They had a system. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Um, these 24 elders, take, they got out of their position. God, you can have it. My seat don't even, don't even matter up here. Even though I'm lifted above everybody else, you can have it. 
me ask you a question. What resistance in you? If you really be honest, why do you resist when you know God is pulling you to go ahead and just give him the glory? Even in the last moment, I, I watched. Why not enter in with everybody else? What are you waiting on? If everything you need is in glory and the way that you get the glory is you honor him, what are you waiting on? The next time? Or are you still angry at the last time you gave him glory and it didn't do nothing? So you think. Glory is what, and honor is what he is doing no matter what happens. No matter what happened, what doesn't happen, it's due to him. So what holds us back? I know at times, I'm just talking about me, at times I just didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like doing all that. I didn't feel like I needed to. But we really examined that, that was just my pride. How? Do I not need to give God the honor? And I'm not saying everybody got to lay on the floor. But you know when you're giving God honor and glory. The four and twenty elders, what? They fell down before him. That sat on the throne and worshiped, and worshiped him that lived forever and ever cast their crowns before the throne saying what thou art worthy you're worthy of this you're worthy of me giving you praise you're worthy of me honoring you you're worthy of me giving myself to you oh come on come on come on do you believe that he's worthy meaning do you believe he's worth it is it worth it is it worth it tomorrow is he worth it on Tuesday is he worth it on Wednesday is he worth it he said you're worthy thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory I mean I got glory to give him I got honor to give him I got power to give him, but sometimes I want to keep that for myself because this is what makes me feel better about me. But when I honor him, he honors you back. See, when you, when you give him glory, he has unlimited glory to give back. This is why he said what? All of our needs are in glory. Meaning everything I need it's just how I honor him. How do I get my needs met? Through honor and glory. He said, for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. It becomes a little easier for me to give God glory when I know this is my purpose. To bring him pleasure. Right. 
You know, there's some people in your life, you say, you know, we're in a relationship. You don't want the person to make yourself all the time, right? When you're in a relationship with a person, sometimes they're going to get on your nerves. But sometimes they're going to give you some pleasure. And all that pleasure ain't sexual. Some of the pleasure is just the pleasure of companionship. Right? But it gets difficult when they only giving you suffering. <laughs> right? Because you like, you ain't fulfilling your purpose. Well, I know I got to deal with some of this, but not every day. Right? Think about this with God. He's like, I made you for my pleasure. So why do I only get complaints? It's for me to be pleased. You're going to be pleased as I'm pleased. But it's pleasing him first. Because the order of this purpose is him getting pleased first. Amen? Come on and put your hands together. Honor the Lord.